This is the Andrew Connect Show. Welcome to another episode of the show. This is going to be about tennis. We already, you already know, I promised I will do this. I did last week an episode about top five, six players from the WTA. And now it's time for the boys, time for the ATP champions, time for the best players of this 2020 weird as crazy season with interruptions, with fans, then with no fans at all, then with 50% capacity in some places. Yeah, it was crazy. It was a freaking roller coaster. No. You don't know what to expect next season. This is an interesting conversation that you can have. I mean, tennis is played in any freaking continent in the world. Can you force these players to take a vaccine? No. I think the answer is no. Probably they need more information. They need more certainty. I don't know if this will be the solution, but fans, I think 100% will be back in attendance. Maybe not necessarily, not at the start of the season. I think Australia said something, Melbourne, the state of Victoria, said something about having 25% capacity or something like that. And I think this is, yeah, realistic. Considering how many cases are in Australia, I would say that they probably can do 100% capacity, but that's a conversation for another day. So yeah, I think by the time of the US Open, at least, I think we will have fans. Now let's get into this top. So personally, I think that it is much easier to do this top than it was on the women's side. Because here you have much more stability, let's say consistency from at least the top three players. Four to five, four to six, yeah, we can argue. I, I just have five players in my top. Because it's, I don't know, for me it's clear that these guys dominated the world of tennis. And if you want, you can, we can do something like by tiers, you know? So there have been three Grand Slam events this season because Wimbledon was not played. And we have three distinct champions. And this is why those three are in the top three. You know, makes sense? Then you have Andrei Rublev here in my top that has never won a Grand Slam, never won a Masters 1000, but he has five trophies, five of them. Some 500 events, some 250 events. I think he deserves to be here. First time ever in top 10. He made the NITO ATP finals and well-deserved. But when push came to shove against Nadal, yeah, his game, his game is not there yet. He's not yet a Grand Slam challenger, competitor, I don't know. He can't, he can't win against the lights of Team or Djokovic or Nadal. I mean, yeah, he defeated Team in that Nitro ATP Finals final group stage match. But it was kind of obvious that Team was kind of tired and he was already qualified. Rublev obviously wanted to win, to go home with at least a win, so I don't count that match so much. I mean, yeah, obviously it meant something, but I don't put that much weight on it. So without further ado, let's get right into it. So I have some problems, if you want, 
in my top four and five. Because here I have the two Russians, Daniel Medvedev and Andrei Rublev. And if you remember, the start of the year for Daniel Medvedev was a disaster. And I mean, last year when he when the when he had the fantastic end of the season one, winning two Masters 1000 and making the US finals, almost beating Nadal there, coming back from a 2-0 set deficit. That was very impressive. But he started the season, I mean, okay, his start was okay, I should say, in ATP Cup. He defeated Fonini, Isner, Ruth, Schwarzman, and he lost to Djokovic in the semifinals. Wow, I missed this event so much. I really enjoyed him and enjoyed it and I don't know I don't know if we will have ATP Cup in 2021 but this was a great event fantastic one then it's an Australian Open she, he didn't make the second week he lost in the fourth round against Wawrinka then he played Rotterdam lost in the first round Marseille lost in the second round so he kind of struggled then the tour stopped you had no Indian Wells, no Miami. He came back in Cincinnati, lost in the quarterfinals against Bautista Agut. He made the semifinals at US Open. But, I don't know, he was not that... You had a feeling that he's not there yet. If you watch him play the eyeball test, that told you that he's not at that level. And he lost to team in the semifinals in three sets. 6-2, 7-6, 7-6. He defeated compatriot Rublev here. Then again, went to Hamburg, lost in the first round. Roland Garros lost in the first round. St. Petersburg, his own country, and I think he was defending his title there. Lost in the second round. Vienna lost in the third round quarterfinals. And he said openly, he admitted that he struggled. His form was not there, he was afraid that he might lose the momentum, lose the touch, and then out of nowhere, I should say, after losing Vienna, St. Petersburg, Roland Garros, Hamburg in the first or second round, he went on to win the Masters 1000 in, the Masters 1000 in Paris, Bercy, with no fan whatsoever. And he played great competitors. Deminor, Schwarzman, who had a terrific year, Raonic, who you can argue was a comeback player of the year, semifinals at Paris, finals at Cincinnati, which was played in New York. And he defeated Zverev in the final, which was impressive, coming back from one set to none. And then in the ATP finals, he defeated Nadal, got his revenge. He defeated Tim in the final. Zvartman, Djokovic, Zverev, he was undefeated. So he defeated Zverev back-to-back -back in consecutive weeks. Then he destroyed Djokovic, he destroyed Schwarzman, struggled a bit with Nadal, but was far the better player. And also had a great competitive final against Team, who won a Grand Slam this season. He's made a Grand Slam. And he won that, so he had a recovery season. He won two titles, two very important ones. More important than Rublev's. So this is why I don't know where to place him. I think I would still have Rublev ahead of him by a tiny margin. Only because, and if you look at the record, Medvedev was 28 and 10 
Rublev was what? 41 and 10? So, same number of losses, 13 more wins. Yeah, I think Rublev is fourth in my list, and Medvedev should be number five because of how bad he played at the beginning of the season and at the middle pack of the season, if you want. So now, moving on to talk about Rublev. First event he played this year, he won. Doha, Qatar. Then he went to Adelaide, won it. So he was undefeated. He had he began the season with an 11-game win streak. He went to Australian Open where he lost in the fourth round against Verev. So he didn't make the second week. And here he defeated Goffin, who kind of struggled this season. Then he went to Rotterdam. He, yeah, he played a lot. Yeah, I think he's the player with most matches this season, actually. He lost in the Rotterdam quarterfinals. He lost in the Dubai quarterfinals. Lost in Cincinnati when the tour came back. And then continued his tear. I mean, he played amazingly well in the US Open. He, I think he made his first time quarterfinal at the Grand Slam. And he lost to compatriot Medvedev, but he defeated Berrettini along the way. In Rome, he struggled on clay, yeah. It doesn't seem like he likes that surface so much. He lost in Rome in the second round. Then won Hamburg, where he defeated Bautista Agut, Kasper Ruud, Tsitsipas in the final. So great performance there. Then, literally one day after he won Hamburg, he had to travel to Paris to play Roland Garros, where Tsitsipas got the best of him in a nice rematch in the quarterfinals so uh, another grand slam quarterfinal and then he went home played on home soil in saint petersburg where he won he defeated their shapovalov Koric, another great young players and then uh, again a little a little win streak arrived 10 game win streak after he won saint petersburg and vienna where he defeated Tim, for example. So he defeated him twice. This is, I forgot about that. Then in Paris, Borsi, he struggled. He lost against Wawrinka. But he qualified for the new ATP finals, where, yeah, as I said, Nadal got the best of him. Played against Tsitsipas again and lost. So this year, a little bit of rivalry between him and Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas did two games, two matches to one. And won that match against team, as I said. So he had 13 more wins than his friend and compatriot Medvedev. Three more titles. Not as important, but I think we should reward that. This is why I have him ahead. This should be rewarded, in my opinion. Talking about huge gaps and disparities, inequalities, however you want to call it, them, between prize money in tennis. So he won three more events than Medvedev, but somehow lost, I mean, not lost, but won $1.5 million less this season. It's amazing if you think about it. So Medvedev and Rublev, as I said, I always say again, Medvedev, is my number five. Rublev is my number four. Rublev also started the season ranked 23rd and he climbed all the way to seven or eight. 
and for best play, best player this season. So impressive season for him. Now let's get to the top three. Now here was a little bit difficult as well, and hear me out. Number one was not that difficult. So between number two and number three, you have Roland Garros champion Rafael Nadal. Honestly, they should change the name Roland Garros to Rafael Nadal. And Dominic Team. Team played. First of all, Team defeated Nadal twice this season. So this should be counted in a way. At the same time, Nadal had two more wins and two less losses than Team. If we go back and make a review of their each of them seasons, so at the ATP Cup, Team lost twice and had only one win. Then Australian Open, he made the finals and he defeated Nadal here for the first time this season in what was a great, great match. And he almost won the Australian Open. He was leading two sets to one. Then he played in Rio where he lost in the third round to the number 128, Gianluca Major, hopefully. I don't want to butcher his name. Then in Cincinnati, he lost in the first round. So... Not a great start of the season for him, neither, but in US Open, man, looking it back, the competition that he faced, Chilich in the third round, Ojalia Sim in the fourth round, Deminor in the quarterfinals, Medvedev in the semifinals, and Zverev in the finals, where he Zverev led two sets to zero, man. And somehow team wanted it more. Can you imagine how frustrated would he have probably been if Zverev got his first Grand Slam before him? Terrific players, both of them, but I think Tim is on another level right now. I think Tim has a chance to be the best player this next season and win the most trophies. He came into tennis as a phenomenal clay court player, but now I can arguably say that Right there at the best in the hard court. I still take Djokovic over him. But he won US Open and he made the finals to Australia. And then his season until the Nito ATP finals. So between US Open and the Nito ATP finals, he didn't look that great. And he also had a terrible, hard Roland Garros draw. I mean, Chiric is not the same player. I think we can all agree on that, but he's still a Grand Slam champion. And he faced Chiric in the first round, Rude in the third round, Schwarzman in the quarterfinals, and Schwarzman won in five sets. Tim was gassed. He played so much at the US Open. And here again, he played a lot of tennis at Roland Garros, even though he lost in the quarterfinals. He wanted to play in Vienna, Obviously, it's in, he's from Austria. He won there last year. He lost to Rublev, though, in the quarterfinals. And then at the Nito ATP finals, there were some rumors that he might... Well, I mean, not rumors, but news that he injured his... He had some kind of injury at his foot. But I don't remember exactly. And he played great. I mean, he defeated Tsitsipas. He defeated again Nadal. 7-6, 7-6. Guys... Nadal and team played six tie breaks in two matches. 
It's freaking insane. Or five, five, sorry. What were, no, I think there were three in Australia and two now, so five. This is a lot. And boy, the level, I love this rivalry. I started to love so much this little rivalry. And team became the first, the second player besides Andy Murray, who has five wins against each of the big three members. So keep that in mind. I think this is a very interesting stat. And obviously, after he defeated Djokovic in the semifinals and how great he looked, I thought that Medvedev has no shot in the final. I thought Tim was going to get the best of him and defeat him. Somehow Medvedev channeled his 2019 end of the season form and won in three sets. So yeah, looking back right now with a more fresh, clear view, if you want, so one Grand Slam final, one Grand Slam win, finals, any 20p finals, yeah, I think he should be ahead of Nadal. So I will have Nadal at my third best player this season and team and number two. Bro, team won $6 million this season with just one title. And Rublev was one, one and something with five. This is this is insane. So now let's talk about Rafael Nadal. He started the season. I mean, he won what he should have won, except for that loss against David Goffin in the quarterfinals at the ATP Cup. He started bad against Alex Deminor. And yeah, Djokovic literally destroyed him in that final. Then in Australia, he looked good, but he that he didn't look like I don't know how to say he didn't look like he can win the event. And as I said, he lost in the quarterfinals against team in four sets, three of them which were tie breaks. Three out of four sets in a match were tie breaks. Bro, the level on that match was insane. Then he won Acapulco, something he should have done and did it pretty easily. And that was it. So he played only three events before the tour restarted. He didn't travel to play the Cincinnati or the US Open. He came back in Rome in September. Won the first two games pretty easily, only to lose against Varsma. And I really don't put any of this blame, of the blame of the loss on Rafael Nadal. Schwarzman played the best match of his career. By that point, maybe you can argue now that the win against team at Roland Garros was more impressive. But this was a standout performance for Schwarzman. And then Amdal came into Roland Garros and I have to admit, he looked before the tournament started pretty, pretty roughly. I mean, losing to Schwarzman with not that many matches under his legs. And this, this event is his, man. He won 12 times before he came out here and went for the 13th time without dropping a set. He went he won a tie break 
But tiebreak was the most complicated set he played, and it happened only one time in the quarterfinals against young up-and-coming Yannick Zinor, who, by the way, Tony Nadal said that he might be the best, the next superstar in this tennis world. You know, Tony Nadal has a special eye for this talent. If you don't know, there is a story that they were at Wimbledon, I think, when they are, were juniors or having something like 16, 17. And Nadal, Tony Nadal came, I don't know if they were in the locker room or the hotel, blah, 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 Nadal and his uncle, Tony. And Tony Nadal came to him and said, well, I don't know the exact words, but it was something like, you do have a problem. There is this kid, the Serbian kid, Djokovic. I just watched him play and he's, he's amazing. Look how that turned out. So yeah, I will listen to Tony Nadal where, when he recognizes his talent. But Nadal got his revenge against Varsman. Oh, sorry. Two tiebreaks. He also won a tiebreak against Varsman. To zero. And destroyed Djokovic in the final. 6-0, 6-2, And as I said, Djokovic was by far the best player this season. By far. He won Austrian Open, made the finals at Roland Garros. Should have made and would have made probably the finals at US Open if it wasn't for his stupidity. And then Paris, a tournament he probably really wants to win. The Masters I'm talking about, not the Grand Slam. Djokovic was not playing, team was not playing, but he lost in the semifinals against Zverev. And even though he would have beaten Zverev in the semifinals, Medvedev would have killed him in the finals, given Medvedev's form. And you could see that he started rough because he, was cl- he, he played a really close match against Feliciano Lopez. So I kind of worried, even though he played good at the new ATP finals, I mean, he, beat it, he defeated Rublev and Tsitsipas, but team got the best of him again, 7-6, 7-6, already talked about that, before losing to Medvedev in the semifinals. And team and Medvedev, in those Nito ATP finals, were the ones that both of them defeated Nadal and Djokovic. Which is a miracle of a performance, if you ask me. So you don't know how rare, what rare, I think that never happened before. So hats off to them. Maybe Federer won against both of them. I don't know. In the same tournament. Could be. But I think he's the only player to do that. So we are down to the top one. The best player. He ended world number one again. For a record equaling six time. Same as Sampras. Now Federer and Djokovic. Uh, sorry, Federer and Nadal. Ended the year world number one five times. Djokovic now has six. Another category that's where Djokovic is leading. And this year, Djokovic had a 41 and 5 wins and losses. Rublev have, had also 41, but he had 10 losses. So this is why I say this is this was Djokovic year from start to finish. He won the ATP Cup. He won Australian Open. He won Dubai, he had an unbelievably good win streak. 
let's count together because I don't remember the names, the number. So six wins in ATP Cup, seven in Australia, so 13 so far, add five from Dubai, 18 winning streak. He won Cincinnati. I already lost the count, 23, what is like. So, and here comes US Open where he was disqualified because of a freakishly stupid move. And I'm not here to defend him. He should have been disqualified. His move was completely without any sense whatsoever. You never do that. Yeah, some people said, yeah, Ben, but what are the odds to hit the ref directly in the neck? I don't care if the odds are favorizing you. You don't do that. You never do that. Simply because you might risk what actually happens. So you never do that. Yeah, he was behind in the first set, but you really counted him out? No, this is what I'm saying. So I don't know if if he would have beaten team in the final or semi-final whenever they sh probably should have met. That's a debate. We will never know that. But can you imagine if he also would have won US Open? That would have been insane. Insanely good. Three Grand Slams, three crowns. Then again, went and Rome. And won Rome as well. And now he has also the record of total Masters trophies with 36. Now that has 35. Federer has 28 or 29. So yeah, so far he has something like 30 a lot wins and zero losses. Then Roland Garros came. Got his rematch against Pablo Carreño Busta in the quarterfinals. Defeated Tsitsipas in the semifinals and then had literally zero shot against Nadal in the final. He had no answer for him. Then it was interesting because there were Vienna and Paris kind of in the same time. Or very close to each other, so you basically couldn't play both. It would have been very hard to do that. In Vienna... Because of the ranking system, he could have won points because he, not, he didn't play there last season. If he would have traveled to play Paris, Borsi, where he won last year, because of the ranking system, he would have won zero points if he would have won the event. So this is why he said, yeah, I'm going to Vienna. He won the, second the first two matches. He secured the number one spot end of the year. And then he lost to young Italian Lorenzo Senego, which was kind of out of the blue, out of the water. No one expected that. He said that he was relaxed. He, he can't say that, but he probably didn't give a damn about this game, honestly. Which, from a competitive point of view, is really bad. And then in the new ATP Finals, he defeated Schwarzman again for, what, second third time this season. He lost to Medvedev. Defeated Zverev and lost, qualified to the semifinals and lost again team in, in what was an amazing competitive match. Same as what they had last season because they faced each other last season again at the new ATP finals. And team got the best of him again in three sets. So these are my top five players of the season. If you want to add some I don't know, honorable mentions. I probably would have Bautista Good played great, Raonic, 
Not Bautista, good sorry. I want to say Carreño Busta. Raonic played great. Wawrinka here or there. Christian Garin, and he, I think he won two or three titles. Ojal Yassin, the final course is on him. He had played six or seven finals in his career and won none. Jasper Rood had a good start of the year. The young Frenchman, Hugo Humbert. Also, I think he, lo- he won two or three events. Italian Yannick Zinner. Boy, I'm watching this ranking and I'm feeling and I'm thinking if the rankings were not protected in a way that players would not lose that many points. Can you imagine how how different would the rankings be? I mean, Federer is ranked right now number five, but he didn't play at all after the Australian Open. He played only one event this season. He lost in the what? Course of semifinals? I don't remember exactly. And he's ranked number five. I think he would have been outside the top 50. So strange year. I hope that this will never happen again. Because I don't think anyone liked that and or enjoyed that. I'm grateful for what it was. I'm excited for what's coming next season for the New young players, maybe Medvedev will capture his maiden Grand Slam or Zverev. Team will add more to the hardware collection. The, the comeback of Roger Federer. Nadal now has 20 Grand Slams, same as Federer. Djokovic is trailing by three. I mean, you never know what happens. Andy Murray, revival, maybe. Hopefully. I'm rooting for him. I love him. So yeah, there are a lot of things that, interesting things that could happen next season. I'm excited for that. And what? So there is there are the news that Australian Open will happen, will start at 8th of February. Yeah, so yeah, this is 100% will happen. It's now official. And there are some news rumors, I don't know how to call them, that the qualifiers may take place in Dubai or Doha or some country around that or even LA. I don't know how much sense this will make, but fine, whatever. It's not my decision. And I think it's not it's Australia's decision, I think. So yeah, I will wrap it up here. Thank you guys so much if you've been listening to this. If you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to follow me. If you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, like the video, share it for your friends to see it. I have a surprise coming soon for the podcast. So stay tuned. I will stop right now. Stay healthy. Peace, guys.